Hello and welcome to the big Sunday interview from an Irish man abroad. My name is Jarlath Regan. I'm your host and every single week we present usually three, maybe four podcasts to you to enjoy. On Mondays we have our parenting podcast, Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid with my wife and child expert Tina Regan. On Tuesdays we have Sonia O'Sullivan for our running podcast, An Irish Man Running Abroad. And every Friday of Marion McKeown unravelling and unpicking the intricacies of US politics and at the moment this invasion of Ukraine. Uh, it's my pleasure to present these podcasts to you every single week but we can't do it without your help. Head over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad to become a supporter of the show and in return I'll give you access to every single episode we've ever produced including hundreds in our archive that you cannot find anywhere else. Well, The Curse is an unbelievable new comedy series. It's a comedy caper set in London in the early 1980s following a gang of hopeless small-time crooks who, through their own stupidity and gullibility and poor judgment, find themselves embroiled in one of the biggest heists, gold heists, in history. It stars, of course, my guest today, Tom Davis, who you'll know from Murder and Successful and King Gary and lots, lots more. And his story is... Uh, well publicised, let's say, has been covered many, many times that he worked as a scaffolder, as a bouncer, as a market stall trader and then gave it a shot as a stand-up comedian. And when his friend uh, was working as a runner on the Bo Selecta show with Lee Francis, they gave some videos in of their comedy sketches. He then invited them to appear on the show. He appeared in various different comedy roles in TV for the following years. And that's a bit of an understatement. This man is a grafter. Uh, You only need to scroll down through his IMDb to see the multitude of jobs that he's done and the the work ethic of this man. But Murder in Successful was the big break. He uh, co-created and starred in it, a semi-improvised show in which celebrity guest was to help him, D.I. Sleet, solve a fictional crime. It was an extraordinary show. And it wasn't surprising that he was named to the BAFTA Breakthrough Brit list. I loved it. And so many more things are coming, as you'll hear for Tom Davis. But The Curse is out now on Channel 4 and on 4OD. And I urge you to seek it out and bring it into your life. Put it on your watch list. I had the chance to sit down with Tom, of course, for this interview. It took a while to set up because the man is just so busy. But we got straight into it. His love of mayo, uh, ghost ships from Belmullet, writing, graft, as I said, just sticking with it and trying to help other people up. He is a hell of a dude and a big hearted, uh, massively talented human being. It's the Tom Davis episode of An Irish Man Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's go down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they're going to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been 
a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Johnny Thrigo! Tom Davis, it's fantastic to have you on the Irish Man Abroad. And I can remember the day that you messaged me and told me that you had this Irish blood in you. <laughs> very proudly so, very proudly so. Roy it's Carter, the, uh, not not a town that we hear a lot about in Mayo, is it? No, nah, Roy Carter and um, Dahuma, uh, Bell Mullet. It's, uh, yeah, man, it, it's just a weird thing of, um, I recently did the, uh, I did off menu and uh, talked about uh, that area and uh it's been incredible the amount of people who've reached out from from those small towns and uh yeah it's quite yeah it's it's incredible it's such a small community man it's it's i'm, I'm slightly like w- like i'm obsessed with that area and really? uh yeah man it's it's just I, I just i'm obsessed with ireland in general as i, I think it's just, it's i want my next project to to be something that we shoot out there and i've been like for the last sort of three or four years trying to, we, we came really close. I don't know if you know the story of mm-hmm. Knock Airport. I do. And so we came really close to getting, doing like the film of, of how, um, how that happened and, and sort of like a, a sort of dark comedy about how, how Knock Airport got built all sort of based loosely around that. So I'm, I'm really like, I really want to yeah, to sort of take the cameras to Mayo and, and, and make something. I've, we've got like a thing at the moment we're writing, which is sort of, in, in what we've done with the curse which was sort of like this big you know sort of comedy drama sort of set around yeah I mean, just, have you ever heard of the ghost boat of Bella Mullet? no but i know my wife will have because she's a mayo woman uh she's oh, one she? of the, yeah she's one of these people who her parents are from mayo uh therefore it doesn't matter where she lives in the country she'll always say well my family's originally from mayo <laughs> <laughs> it's a real pride thing i'm i'm, it I'm is. i mean I'm really like I was brought up in quite a. My gra- grandma was a mate, real sort of matriarch of the family up until she passed, and it was. Uh, but we were really like proudly sort of London Irish and proud to be sort of you know that that part of you know as kids we'd go over there and you know all the best family occasions were all with my sort of extended cousins and people you know whether it was a wedding or christening or a funeral it was always the stuff that you sort of really look forward to being around sort mm-hmm. of your especially you know because i've got a lot of family in kerry as well so it's um but the mayo family when ones are sort of a bit more uh a bit more wild and weird and yeah there's nothing really special I'm, about i'm that. gonna have to ask you to talk about this story that you know kind of went viral after the off menu <laughs> podcast because it was even reported in the local papers over there, I know. this, this story you know, some people might have missed it, but you were over there with your wife. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the sat-nav, let's say, so, it so isn't super accurate around that part. No, the if anyone who knows Dahuma or Roy Carter, it's like they're, they're very sort of isolated little, ta- you know, I think you could call them ta- they're sort of these tiny little almost, I suppose, what, is it Hamlet? I don't know. What yeah, you pub call and it, post but, office. Yeah, yeah, except, yeah, which is the sea rod in. Um, <laughs> so, uh we went out there and, and I was really, I, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm very, very proud of my Irish, Irish roots. I think all the best parts of my personality come from that, the, you know, the Irish side of my family, like, mm. you know, that sort of the confidence you get, I think from sort of like that extended family of sort of, you know, like I, I've always been like sort of, I don't know how much you know about like sort of, I, I don't know if I can't remember if we talked about this on off, off menu, but um 
like my grandmother used to sort of say about when they were young ladies, they they, they were all like brought over to sort of Scotland and England and sort of brought over on boats to go and do fruit picking and stuff. I don't know if your wife would, would yeah. know about that as well, but it's quite a sort of young women who were brought over sort of not against their will because that's probably a bit dramatic, but it was it was sort of quite, yeah. But I think, yeah, that sort of, I don't know, there's a resilience and also I think my humour was always sort of, like, yeah, no, look, there's no that. one No one listening to this is going to disagree with you when you say there's aspects of my personality that I trace back to my Irish heritage because everyone will know that that's, that's yeah. in them because of their, their Irish, oh, man, especially if it, there is a woman like that who's leading by example. Oh, man. <laughs> you are taking and also it all it's just, in. I think the, 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 the get on with it attitude has been brought yeah. up to, you know, sort of in, in the time that I was a child and sort of, you know, my dad would sort of, you know, so tell me stories and whatever. So it was, I think there's sort of, you know, a lot of my uncles were in demolition and, you know, so that's, you know, anyway, that's all. So we 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 go out to um, Mayo and I was very, very proud to show. So so we did sort of main parts of Mayo and then uh, we went, we headed across and we drove down the Wild Atlantic Way to go to uh, to Roy Carter and, and we ended up, in Belmont, actually, in a petrol station, and our sat nav had failed. And uh, I went into this petrol station. I was like, "How does he know how to get to Roy Carter?" And like this, this accent's a weird one. I haven't got it down. Steve Coogan <laughs> does this accent he incredibly does, yeah. well. It's amazing when Steve does it. It's just like because Steve's from Mayo, uh, yeah, from yeah, Mayo yeah. as well. And uh, but it's it's a kind of singy sort of accent. I can't think of it now, but it's very singy and it's. What do, what, what do we want with Ray Carter now? I can't, it's like this sort it's of It's close, though. It's, it's yeah. a, oh man, uh, the Cougars were here anyway, so, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, my uncle, and uh, my uncles are from there, my my grandmother's from there. So who are your uncles now? I said, I'm um, uh, Dennis and Tady Lally. And he was like, uh, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis and Dennis Jewish and Tady has passed away now. Who's your grandmother? And I said, Bridget Lally. Lally. And he said, well, she's dead now. She's, she's passed away. <laughs> away, because we're, that was the one I she said my grandmother. What do you want? What, what do you want for the right car at all? And I, I, I was, was like, oh, um, I sort of want to show my wife here. I'm, you know, I'm from there, so I'm sort of proud to sort of. And he was like, well, follow me. And he sprints out of this petrol station, and I sort of run after him, like seeing out the A team or saying. And I said to my wife, I'm like, quick, we've got to follow this guy. He's going to. And my wife's like, who is he? I said, I don't know. He's going to take us to the right car. He jets off. The speed of the guy driving at my wife's trying to follow him, like uh, give chase. Anyway, we get to Roy Carter and he leaps out of his car, he runs into this the sea rod in, and everyone comes out and they're like, you know, tell him what you're looking for now. Tell, tell him everyone you know, want to see there. And I was like, um, oh, um, I, my family are from here. It's Dennis and Tady Lally. This woman, sort of like uh, Bernie, who runs the sea rod in, is like, well, no, uh, Dennis is uh, no Dennis in mental institution and he just passed away. And uh, who's your grandmother? You said your grandmother. I was like, Bridget Lally. She, she's dead now. She's been dead. <laughs> I was, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> and uh, so then she sort of says, yeah, said, My wife sort of steps forward. We've got a room booked here. My wife's uh, name was Morphew at the time. So she's like, Oh, yeah, we've got a room like in booked in there with Catherine Morphew. She said, Well, we've got a room booked now for in the names of Mary and uh, uh, Mick and Mary Murphy. No, so it must be you. It must be there's some sort of confusion. And um, <laughs> so <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah, but actually also Mick and Mary Murphy sound like they might be people who might come in and stay in. And she was, puts us in Mick and Mary's room. Obviously, it was a confusion. She's taken the names down wrong. But we were there for like three or four days, Jared. And uh, like, that was it. It was Mick. Wherever we went for breakfast or we'd go down and have a chat, we'd have a drink at a bar or, you know, we'd be going out. You're going down to the seafront now, are you there, Mick and Mary? 
<laughs> yep, yeah, cheers, lad. Anyway, so they just called to... you Mick and Mary for the duration yeah, 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 of your yeah. stay. Michael, yeah. I didn't tell this, but on the off, off uh, menu bit, we went for breakfast one morning, and um, my wife's very, uh, she's obsessed with fitness and she's like, you know, yoga and mm. uh, and every morning, and I love it because I, it's you know, but you had the Irish breakfast, right? Yeah, and it's uh, a, a good, incredible pub Irish breakfast, and my wife had had it for like two days, just was like, I can't have this. <laughs> <laughs> wait while we're here <laughs> so so she says have you got any granola and this woman just said granola Ooh, a modern woman <laughs> um, um, oh, but it was fantastic. you know what it was like an amazing little place where it, which was like it's a, yeah, like you said it was a post office it was a hub of a community mm-hmm. right and, mm-hmm. yeah anyway um comes to sort of like a few more days in and and uh i was downstairs in a bar and she comes over and she's a well, it's confusing thing now. A man there says that he's your man of TV and your name's Tan Davis. And I said, no, that's McMurphy now. McMurphy is um, his nephew of uh, Dennis and Tita Lally, like uh, grandson to uh, Bridget Lally. And I said, uh, no, 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 I'm Tom Davis of TV. And she said, what are you? I said, you're uh, Dennis and Tita's nephew. We grandson now of Bridget Lally. I said, no, that is, I'm that, yeah, I'm that. And as well, she was well, no, well, you're Mick Murphy from that. Are you Tom Davis? No, I'm Tom Davis. I'm Tom Davis, the television actor and writer. Well, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm nephew to Dennis and Taylor uh, Lally and also grandson of Bridget Lally. And yeah, and she was like, um, well, who in the fucking hell is Mick Murphy? <laughs> I had no idea where it all come from. But um, yeah, and then when we set, set, set off that, yeah, a couple days later, she was like, well, see you there, Mick. See you later, Mary. <laughs> Um, but writes to me, man, and, and like I writes yeah. to you still. Yeah, she she did a bit. I don't know if she's still there. She wrote to me for a while after because you know what? It was really sweet. She I think clocked like someone like obviously someone had shown about social media, and like, then she realised that I, I was on TV and whatever. And, mm. and um, she was very sweet. And and you know what? It's it's uh, yeah, man. It's it's a, it's a really um, yeah a treasure. Like ever going back there, and uh, you know, it's an it's incredible like, part of the world. Like it really oh is. man, it is. It, but I, but Ireland is. Ireland is the. I, I I I can say. I mean, I can't say. It, you know, it was the thing that it is the place where I go and I sort of, without but saying too direct, I feel like when I when I was a bit younger and I sort of went through a bit of a tough time. I, I went back over there and I lived for a little bit. I was in Dublin, staying with cousins. Then I went out and spent a bit of time in Mary, and I went down to Kerry to like I've got family in Ballybunion, so I sort of was like quite. It, it, I hold it very close to my heart, you know, I sort mm. of as a place where, and I just, I don't know, I, I know that it's a really, you hear it wherever you go, but I think it's the most, the most true thing is the Irish just, you know, it's only really Irish and West Indian. That's, and when you worked on building sites, that was the, the time where you sort of, yeah, you, you just do anything to spend days with demolition boys on sites um, who are usually Irish guys, uh, who are just Mickey takers, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. and it, yeah, it's, it's so it's a place where I was saying I always feel like the sort of pressure and the, the anything that's going on just sort of allevi- alleviates from your shoulders, and you can just feel a little bit happier yeah. being around. Sort of, yeah. Uh, look, uh, uh, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's an awful lot of people who listen to this show who are are longing to go back because you yeah, know, there is nothing quite like that feeling. I used to describe it to people that when you when you drive away from Dublin, you kind of pass and pass, you're on the N7 and you're away. You can feel the 
the countryside enter you and uh, you're breathing it in that it has a hold. It has this weird it has this weird feeling. There's a feeling to the place. <laughs> we did it's, it's it's you know one of my happiest ever memories of the show. We did a road trip where we drove. We we came in on the ferry and then we drove down to Kerry, like all like through the Ring of Kerry, and you know did all that. And we went to a family in Dublin, and we then we, we drove down and sort of stayed in a few places on the way down, uh, like B and Bs and stuff. And uh, just yeah, like you you sort of say that as you leave Dublin because Dublin's a, you know, Dublin's an incredible city. Mm. It's it's, it's um. It's just, yeah, it's like any main city, isn't it? It, It's sort of... Yeah, it's got its own thing, though, as well. I think that, you know, to be there for... To appreciate it, you have to... Like a lot of cities, I suppose, you need to be there for a while. Because I just don't know if there's a city better in the world for the hang, for just... There's something about hanging in Dublin that I... What's the live circuit like there for, for... Do you... Like oh, for, it's, for it's, having a, and... it's having a tough time at the moment and my heart really? does go out to like there's so many talented comics there who you know are are, are struggling to for air you know the survival of uh, the live entertainment industry in Ireland has had a really rough go the last two years like so many others but uh, yeah. it, it's it, it's just it's just come back to life but this is the thing the place is overflowing with talent and a lot of those fellas yeah. that you would have met on the building sites <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. you thought at the time Jesus these lads could do stand up easily that's, that's the thing though isn't it always like that when I got into this and I got into this late and uh, I was actually I was at the um, I was at the comedy awards last night and um, you sort of it was which was nice actually because you sort of you see people that you haven't seen for like you know we, we live in a weird world where like you know you I think me and you have probably been on the circuit maybe over in London similar time yeah. I've ever, I can't remember I don't think we've gigged together but it's that weird time when I listen to you talk to Jack and Jack's one of my uh, was one of my best mates and you you know, you know but your past can sometimes never cross but also then you have this weird time when you go through times where your paths are constantly crossing and then you don't see someone for two, two years yeah. but it was nice last night to be in a room with people and think oh shit I haven't seen that yeah that person that person and that person but it, it's an interesting thing that the the building starts when you sort of say that the quickness of everything that I learned about comedy, I learned from those old guys who the speed of thought and, and, and that's what I mean. I think about, you know, like, um, you know, just, just being around sort of the quickness and the banter is when I first started stand up and, and people used to talk about tough rooms and I used to go into sort of a room in Islington and think, well, this isn't <laughs> anywhere near as hard as like, <laughs> you know, the tea room. Club. Yeah. yeah 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 it's it's um it doesn't have that same like fun and i think that you know it's it's, it's i think it's saying that hopefully um hopefully we don't lose out from comedy as well because it's yeah the mickey taking between everyone was on a building site building sites can come into a bit of a kicking but they were a real they're a real diverse place to work if you know that you can have people from all different cultures doing all sort of different trades you know and and you know, obviously I talk a lot about being a scaffolder and that was, sort of, but I, I worked sort of on ground crews. Like I said, I worked on demolition. I worked sort of in loads of different, my main thing, you know, I was a labourer for a long time. And that was working with, through my uncles who are guys who uh, had come over here years ago. One of them built like an amazing, like sort of empire really. And I think like that was the sort of, yeah, the, the, so I, I got to know about so many different backgrounds of people in, in that time just working on sites. It was really like, you know, 
Um, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, though, as well as just seeing the, the comics that have had a life prior to yeah. becoming comics always have, you know, a richer perspective. But equally, they can have this thing that you clearly had, which was this this appreciation for if I don't show up on the site, someone's got my job. Yeah, man. When I look at your work, Tom, and I see exactly how much you churn out, <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 clearly the same work ethic. Yeah, yeah. I show yeah. up. That's it. Whatever happens, we need to get work done today. Am I right? Man, it, it's so right. It, it's, it comes from a sort of some of it's an imposter syndrome. Some of it is, you know, I, I was on sites from 15 you know 15 16 i tried other things i, I worked in other trades here but building sites was sort of what made me the person i am and give, gave me that work ethic so what i couldn't believe when i first got into this um the business that we're in now and was that like me and james who i've done everything with over all the years that we um you know from from murder and successful to the walmart guy to to the curse now and king gary we always had like this thing of we're both from that background of like this very working class background, you know, his dad's a builder and and, and we, we had this thing of being like, wow, we have to like, we have to almost get up and be in the office at eight, nine o'clock to mm. do a whole day that you do on a site because otherwise the days are wasting. And then yeah. for me, I'd go and gig in the evening. What I couldn't sometimes get my head around and, and nothing to take away from anyone, but there was, there's, there's uh, the, the, the the business has changed, I think, quite a lot. Considering there, when, when I was first coming in, it was, there was still that sort of quite, I guess, middle class sort of white, 100%. you know, university sort of board, and that was sort of like you could count. There wasn't, you know, even like as silly as it sounds, there wasn't, you know, didn't feel like there was like Irish Northern like sort of like as many diverse acts that there are now. You know, it, it yeah. felt like at the time I came in, there was kind of like sort of just one one flavor really and yep. i think um you had to work really hard to sort of be spotted and and some people to go all oh, right that that's what he did and also i was i've always been very keen not to be pigeonholed into just being uh, a massive yeah. yeah and like a, just a massive sort of working class guy who who's just going to crack sort of i think you can easily get pigeonholed in this industry and i think that was one of my big things was not just to be like you know sort of fall into a trap of being i think like someone came to see me once uh like in one of my early reviews of stand up and sort of compared me to danny dyer and i thought well mm. that's not that's, that's not what i am you know actually really the, the um the game changer is michael smiley do you know michael uh, yeah well i was just about to bring it up i have it in front yeah. of me here michael's obviously <laughs> a big friend of the show he's done the show a couple yeah. of times yeah, and you've said that you're emotionally linked to michael because of yeah, this, he's, this moment, yeah. like, thir- what is it, 13 yeah, years ago? Moments. Yeah, uh, 12, I think it's, yeah, but it was 12 or 15. I, I have a terrible thing uh, when I talk about stuff, I always put it into five years, <laughs> 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 yeah. five, 10 or 15, anything between, <laughs> anything in or around. Well, you, you, had, yeah, you had died a horrible death by all the accounts. Awful, awful death at Leicester Square Theatre or Comedy Store, I can't remember, it was one of them. Uh, Leicester Square Theatre, I think it was, and I did, anyway, Michael was there and, uh, Tell, well, first of all, tell us about the death because people. Oh man, <laughs> this is is a fascination, isn't it, of people that don't do comedy? Yeah, you know what it, you know what it was. It was a thing of. So I used to have a thing of like, 
if if I was really comfortable in in what I was doing, and when I first started uh, stand up, I was really quite relaxed, and, and I've gone back to more and more of it now, and doing stand up more, and and just because it's, it's something. It was a if I wanted like really that was a, the one thing I always wanted to be was a stand up. I was obsessed with you know from seeing Mickey Flanagan, but Billy Connolly, and yeah, you know a lot of like I was obsessed with like Bernie Mac and and, and those guys, and and I, I thought that was the one thing and I, like acting and that the world that I live in now that felt like something that was almost unattainable but weirdly stand up at the time after seeing like Mickey do his thing I, I kind of thought oh maybe even if I, I'm just doing it as a hobby it'll be a fun thing to do but sure. so if I was comfortable but I sort of at the time that happened I was with an agent and the sort of burden of expectation has sort of risen a bit and and um I think like I sort of got myself in a frame of mind where if I was going up on stage and I was going up in front of an audience for the first time that I sort of sometimes treated it more like a battle uh, and like more of a sort of like, right, I need to go out there and attack the stage and sort of, and which is so opposed to everything I believe in in comedy and everything now that I stand for and, you know, everything that makes me funny and makes me sort of an individual. And actually it's the juxtaposition between what I'm sort of saying about what I, I, I try, I've tried to do subsequently. But Tom, so I can I, totally I get... understand how that happens though, especially yeah, yeah. having moved over here and seen the circuit that you do get into that headspace of it's, it's oh, them or me it's yeah. survive or die and and, and you're told to take like, their well, heads must, off yeah. in yeah. the first yeah. punch yeah exactly because because there was an air, air of menace that yeah with that in a you know at the time when you were talking about there was almost that sort of feeling of it was it was look, yeah it was a lot more um, very masculine and it was yep. it wasn't that far departed from a building so it's actually more of the when people talk about building sites and they talk about you know everyone talk about wolf whistling and everything actually when i work that's what i mean about the diversity change and how much better it is now at the time i, I was like wow this is like you know this sort of kill or be killed and there was some acts that some acts that were amazing and so you know and, and i remember like people like jojo smith who was like just like incredible and so lovely and sort of nurturing and 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 but then you had people who you know I'm never ever gonna bad mouth anymore but you had that air of like just solid aggression and you're yeah. like oh man. yeah and and I picked up and, and the difference is if you're going out there as a sort of five foot six guy who has got aggression there's sort of straight away that's the joke right because you're a little angry small man because <laughs> if you're going out as a six foot seven sort of cockney fella you know, with a shaved head and you're angry, it's, there's no juxtaposition to it like that. It's just, it's just scary. And like, you know, it's, it's like Ricky Grover is one of my favorite acts and, and Ricky was perfectly fucking worked between aggression, but also this amazing softness. Yes. So I died this death where I'd gone out and I'd, I'd been like, I think I'd overdone the, 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 um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think as well, there was a time, there was a time when people were probably being more, the things I found funny and sort of stuff that you see now in, in, in like, you know, from the curse to King Gary, the sort of sweet, you know, the observations that I actually proud. I'm very proud of at that time. I think I was trying to be a bit more edgy and, and, you know, mm. even, we, you know, when we, you know, talk to Jack and Jack's one of, you know, again, someone who's been an amazing presence in my career, but like every week, I think we're all trying to be a bit more like that then. I don't know why, you know, it was a anyway, trend. I, it was a, it was a trend. Yeah. The yeah time, definitely. And, and, yeah, and, and then you sort of, yeah, you got sucked in. And, yeah, I just died. And I remember getting back in it. I don't I don't think, when when you say I died on stage and people, you say it in front of anyone who's never, it's never happened to, people will look at you. Yeah, no, someone might have died in front of, or had a bad 
talk they've done in an office or at school or saying it's not gone quite right. Um, but that's not usually their vocation. It's something that they're doing as a part of, you know, the feeling of like loneliness when you're like, if you're, you're a club company, you're doing club gigs, you come off and you go back in backstage and that feeling of loneliness is like genuinely uh, having lost loved ones. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think there's almost like, cause it, the, the feeling is absolutely crushing. And the, feel, the first fucking time, a few times it happens, it's like that people, people won't look you in the eye, you know? People oh, yeah. will kind of just, you know, like, like, like they might catch something. If, if yeah, yeah, there's a smell. <laughs> there's a smell that comes with it. An <laughs> <laughs> awful odour. Yeah. And I remember sort of packing up my stuff and like, you know, not, and just feeling like, you know, I'd let myself down and also because it was the stuff I was doing was the stuff that I found funny I mean and that's just a that's a thing for anyone who wants to do it what we do for a living is <laughs> always just do what you think's funny like mm. it genuinely is and it's a silly thing to say but like I was trying to be someone I wasn't and I was trying to I think I was trying to sort of create a person that I couldn't really be and I didn't want to be and anyway I, I get home that night and um I was living with an actor at the time called Neil Maskell He's a phenomenal actor and a dear friend. And uh, I was just devastated. And the next day, Smiley find, phoned me. Smiley had been at the gig. And he said, look, you know, let's go out and I want to have a chat with you. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, I, I think I'm just going to go. And I meant it. And this isn't being dramatic. I was like, I don't like, you know. And this, it wasn't like this had been the one time this had happened. I'd had a raft of bad gigs that were turning into the fact that my confidence was going. And I didn't sort of... Yeah, you know, I, I just mm. felt, I, I, yeah, I was a real, like, you know, now, and, uh, you know, to, to not go too deep, uh, like, at the time, I'm, you're coming, like, I was coming from a world where I worked on building sites. I worked, you know, like, I, I'd never talked in front of a crowd. And at school, I was never that person. I was funny and silly at school, but I was never, like, I'd never been taught how to talk at people. And, like, I think I, I was really in a place where now I look back and go, I was seriously depressed. I was drinking a lot. I was really not in a, in a, in a good place and Michael yeah, called me and, and we went out and we walked around Soho and he just like talked to me about comedy and, and what stand up and still now when I talk to him and I, I feel myself getting emotional when I talk to, about Michael because I think yeah he is one of the most special people in my life but he yeah we, we sat and we we talked and, and he yeah and Mike, the thing about if you've never seen Michael smiley do stand up I, I genuinely feel, feel for you because he's he's a real master of that craft and it is a craft it is an amazing craft and i think i was almost not not taking that craft seriously or not representing it in a way that he thought was fair but the, the thing that the advice he gave me was like you need to think about if you're walking down the street and you see a massive dog right and if you walked up to that dog and a dog growled and snarled and bared its teeth at you would you stroke it and i was like well no of course you wouldn't and he said but if that dog started like tongue came out and it started lapping around and like, you know, jumping around and being really happy. What would you do? You'd stroke it, wouldn't you? I was like, yeah. And he said, even if that dog, dog then shat on your foot, <laughs> you'd still be happy because it's so happy, right? You're a fucking big dog. Don't snarl. And uh, that was the advice that from that day, really, wow. as silly as it sounds, I, I took, I went and gigged. He got me some gigs and and I just, and he was very much like that. This is who you are, like the person that I, I knew Michael well and I knew like off stage and I, we had some great laughs and we always got on well and, 
yeah so it's, so it's when a kindness came... though as well though isn't it it's like being oh, seen man. and feeling seen in that moment yeah. and he, he's got such a big soul and so much of uh what i understand of him and what he did for you is what what you got there is what's the difference between some people pursuing their career in entertainment and not yeah man I mean, and, so and there's not a lot of people that, that would do that. And, mm. and you know, like it's just, it's, it sounds a silly thing to say, but like you know, when he came and did the did a bit on the curse, and he, we had a chat. He, he I, I felt like very so proud that he was he he said he was like I'm really proud of what you've accomplished and how far you've come. And I felt proud that he uh, he felt that because he you know he, he's he's one of um he's one of the most talented people I've ever ever worked with or ever known. I think it's like a just a crying shame that. I, I remember seeing him on stage and just being an absolute awe of him, like, or, you know, he, he, and he's naturally like, I don't know if I've filmed on a number of projects with him as an improviser and improvising sort of the thing that I, I love. And I just, it's one of my favorite things to do and watching him just, you know, in his pomp, you know, he, he he's like, it's like a master at chess. He sits and waits for someone to make their move, and then he's just got a thousand fucking things he's going to come back at. He's uh, yeah, he's yeah, a, he's, a, he's sponge. a true treasure. So there you have it, the first half of my conversation with Tom Davis. There's a further 40 minutes of this conversation where we get into an awful lot more, including his plans to make a movie about the creation of Knock Airport. We get into so much more, including the attempts to create the character Mick on The Curse and how the show came about, what they hope to do with it and the representation of working class people on film in Britain. I adore this chat and there's so much more to it that I want you to hear. The only way we can make the show is through the crowdfunding that we do over on Patreon. We are advertiser free, sponsor free. The only thing that I ask you to do is to support our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw.ie. J-I-G-S-A-W.ie. They're an amazing Irish uh, mental health charity for young people attempting to equip them with the mental health skills they'll need to survive in life. They need our help, just like this show needs your help. Uh, So if you can kick in something there or go to my I Donate page because I attempted to run 2000 kilometres for them last year. The Breaking 20 Challenge was the next challenge to see could I run 5k in under 20 minutes. Last week, it looked like I hadn't succeeded. We had the big day at Lee Valley Velo Park. We had our pacers. It didn't come off. But then something extraordinary happened on Tuesday night. You have to hear that with myself and Sonia this Tuesday. The only way to gain access to all our episodes in full, the XL versions, unabridged and uncut, is over at patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. If you can afford it, you're paying for the people that can't. And with that money, we can do great things. Uh, I want to say a big shout out to Tina and Mikey for making this episode possible. To James, who uh, works with Tom on his PR. He obviously set this up and made this come to life, this episode in this very busy schedule that Tom has. Huge thanks to Tom Davis to uh, Brian Connolly on sound, to John Maru, who is currently on tour with Patrick Keelty. Big shout out to John. Best of luck with the tour, Patrick and John. Uh, John gave some extra research for this episode. Come on over. You've got to hear the rest of this. There's one story about him being picked up at Knock Airport 
by someone he assumed was a taxi driver that you have to hear. The only place to hear it is at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Until Tuesday, I'll talk to you then.